But today we are going to talk about no new commandment. We're going to look at no new commandment. Second John, uh, I would say chapter one, but there are no chapters in, in John. There's only one chapter in Second John. And we're going to read today verses four, five, and six. Four, five, and six. With the thought of no new commandment. Second John verses 4, 5, and 6. While you're turning there, there's the story of the Apostle John at the end of his life. Now, many of us think that John's life ended on the Isle of Patmos. We know he was exiled there. And that's where he got the revelation um, from, <laughs> from the Lord for the book that we have that's called Revelation. However, John's life didn't end on that aisle. It continued on. History tells us that he got off that island and he actually pastored a church. History would tell us that he pastored the church in Ephesus. And toward the end of his life, he was, while pastoring this church, uh, uh, he got to a point to where he could no longer walk. And Sunday after Sunday, the other elders would have to carry him in a mat and set him in the middle of the assembly. Now, keep in mind, they didn't have wheelchairs back then, and they didn't have fancy buildings like this. The church in Ephesus was more or less a home, and they brought him in. And they set him in the midst of those who had gathered in this home. From that mat, he would teach. And at one point, he would just mutter the words, Beloved, love one another. Beloved, love one another. Now, this went on for several months. And finally, one of the elders said to him, Brother John, that is a great message, but don't you think we could hear something else? And then the old pastor looked at him and said, when we learn this lesson, we'll move on to the next lesson. <laughs> now, that is something to laugh at. I, I laughed at this when I first read it, and it wasn't nothing new. I'd heard this before, but it is so profound if we really think about this. Now, knowing we have the Ten Commandments and they focus on two topics. Those topics is that we love God and that we love our neighbor. As a matter of fact, Jesus affirms this when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. But then he goes on to say, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there are two things that the law hinges on, our love for God and our love for one another. Now we hear this in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We hear this in both the dispensation of the law and the dispensation of the grace of grace. We hear this when it's given to God's chosen people and we hear this when it's given to the church. 
So the question has to arise. Why do we struggle with love so much? Now, truth is, our love for each other is a reflection of our love for God. How dare we say we love the Lord with everything within us, but we can't speak to one another. You know, when we look at this and we think about this, this epistle in 2 John, it helps us get to the bottom of it. And truthfully, the bottom of this is, is if we love the Lord, we're going to love one another. If we can't love one another, then we just don't love the Lord. We can. How can we love someone we've never seen and not love someone who we do see? I mean, the Bible makes it clear that's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible because that one we've never seen has come to live within us. And because he's come to live within us, he changes us. We're not our own anymore. And <laughs> well, let me not get too far ahead of myself. In Second John, let's look at these verses. In verses 4, 5, and 6, the Bible says, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. As we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, for your reminder that God, that we are not our own, but we belong to you. And if we belong to you, then it's displayed in this world by our love for one another. So God, we pray right now that you would speak to our hearts through this message, that you would help us, God, to live out our, our lives, walking in your steps, walking in the steps of your son, Jesus Christ, walking in love. Help us, God, not to look for a new commandment, not to look to be able to do it our own way, but to look to your word and apply your word to our lives. God, when we apply your word to our lives, it doesn't just change us, but it is shown to the world that you are living within us. So help us, God. To be a beacon of light to this lost and dying world to where they would come to love you and to love one another as well. And God will give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This letter in Second John is addressed very tenderly. It's addressed very lovingly to, this, to a Christian mother. And her children, or at least it appears that way. You know, all, and although this letter, it comes across as very tender, it issues out a strong challenge to us all. There are two views as to who the elect lady is. And we see that this is who it's written to. If you look there in verse 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children. Well, it, 
there are two rules of thought here. The first is the obvious one that there's a particular lady in the church here and if, uh, in the church that John is speaking with and, and who's part of a local church and, and, and this letter is directed strictly to her and her children. Well, the other view is that the elect lady is referring to the local church. It's, it's calling the church the lady. Well, in a deeper study of this letter, it, it seems to me, or at least in my study, that it is addressed to a particular lady who loved the Lord with all her heart. Now, what we know about the lady we can find out in these first three, four verses is that John loved her and he loved her in truth, which abides in them and it will be in them forever. What John is saying here is that he loves her in Christ. In fact, that both of these, both of them were believers, the lady as well as John. Both were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Both loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Both served the Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing this about the lady, John greatly rejoiced, as we see there in verse 4, that her children were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Her children, they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Her children, they served the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we know that because the Bible says here that they walked in truth. But it appears that this lady who loved the Lord so deeply that she had actually wrote a letter to John previous to this coming to her. That there was, a, there was a problem that she had. And the problem seemed to be that false teaching was infiltrating the church. Now there are some who say that maybe this lady held church in her home. And there were false teachers coming in trying to take over the teaching in the home. And it wasn't true. There are those who think that maybe this lady had false teachers wanting to come and, and rent a room for, from her and she just didn't want them anywhere near her home. Uh, there, there's all sorts of thoughts as to what was actually taking place and it appears here that, that false teaching, as we look there in verse 7, it seems that, that false teaching was the evidence that, that there was an issue going on. Writing this to John, it seems like the lady didn't know she did not want to have any part to do with the confusion that these false teachers was bringing about. She didn't want to have any part of anyone being tossed about by any wind of doctrine. So John replies by reminding her of her duty as a believer. And the first thing that he reminds her of is the, is the original commandment. He wants her to remember the original commandment. He says here in verse 5, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning. And that which they've had from the beginning is that they love one another. Love is not a new commandment. It's an, it's an old commandment, the very same commandment that we have from the beginning. John immediately brings up the subject of love to her. It appears that this lady, this elect lady was having problems with the people. And, and this does make sense. Some of the people were mistreating her Lord by false teaching. And therefore, if they were mistreating the Lord, they were mistreating her. 
her. Do you, do you realize that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, when the world mistreats our Lord, they're mistreating us? <laughs> yes, it seems that maybe she had refused to welcome them into her home giving them opportunity to spew some false doctrines. As a matter of fact, verses 9 through 11, John says to her, he says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, does not receive him, do not receive them into your house, nor greet them. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds so here John either John is affirming to her that she had done the right thing by not letting them into her home to teach these false doctrines or or he's instructing her not to let them into her home Apparently, she refused to open her home up to some of the false teachers and for that she was getting some mistreatment she was being criticized or being talked about or being mistreated. Now, we, we understand that, don't we? When we stand for the Lord and those who stand against us, they're going to call us all sorts of names. We've seen this here in the last several years, haven't we? We've seen where when we stand, before, stand for the Lord, that, that we're talked about as being naive. We're talked about as being out of touch. We're talked about as not knowing, not knowing how to live in a real world, in a real society, around real people, just because we want to stand on the principles that God's word gives us. Yes, here we find that she may have been being criticized. But John is telling her to love them anyway. He says we must love one another. No matter what they say about you, no matter what they, how they mistreat you, no matter how they hurt you, love them. Is what John is telling her. And so he's telling us the same thing. God has said from the beginning that we love our neighbor, hasn't he? Leviticus 19 and 18 says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus Christ even proclaimed that love would be the mark that would show the world that we're true believers of his. In, in John 13 and 35, it says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here we even, we can go to Matthew while he's preaching on the, the Sermon on the Mount. And we find that he speaks of love in a different way. You know, it's easy to love those who love you. It's easy to love those who are good to you. You know, for, I would say, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's been easy to love Reedy Branch. For me, in these 17 years, it's been easy for me to love you. I hope it's been easy for you to love me. <laughs> I hope it has. But you know, it's a different world when we're told to love someone who despises us and that's what jesus says you he says you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but but jesus said i say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you you know if i had the privilege of omitting anything in the bible that's where i would start 
But I don't have that privilege. If I had the privilege to disobey anything in the Bible, that's probably where I would start. But I don't have that privilege. Not as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus isn't saying, love all Christians only. (laughs) He's saying, love those who hate you. I love those who despise you, who even persecute you. This is the love that John is speaking about to this elect lady. He is telling her to love those who are criticizing her, love those who are mistreating her. And it's, it's easy. Again, it's, it's easy to love those who love us. But it's not as easy to love those who despise us. Well, there's a difference in, <laughs> in loving someone and being Christian to someone. What I mean by saying that is that it's Christian to love those who despitefully use you. And to be a Christian and to live out our lives as a Christian, we must have someone living within us. You know, the only way I can love you when you hate me is is through the power of the Holy Spirit because the world can't do it. The world would fuss and they'll fight and they'll argue and they'll go at each other. They'll do what they can to step on each other's throat. But when you see somebody being mistreated, when you see somebody being persecuted, when you see somebody being criticized, but they love you anyway uh, it's because there's something rising up in them and what's rising up in them is the love of God it's rising up in them through the power of the Holy Spirit and without being born again then the power of the Holy Spirit is not awakened to rise up in us and we can't love each other yes we must we must be assured that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And every time we fail to love those who despitefully use us, every time we fail to love those who who hate us, who want to harm us, anytime we fail to love those who don't agree with us, <laughs> even if they're living a lifestyle we don't agree with, we don't have to agree with the lifestyle in order to love them. We don't have to support the lifestyle in order to love them. We don't have, as a matter of fact, showing love isn't, isn't going, putting our arms around them and saying, okay, it's okay. It'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. If people are living in sin, it's not okay. Life and death matters and where we spend eternity matters. What matters is that we love them. It's not, it, it does matter that we love them, but we can't abide with what they are doing if it's sin. As a matter of fact, if we do, we're just as guilty. As a matter, in verse 11, he says that, doesn't he? If we allow a, someone to, who is a false teacher to come into our home and we sit there and listen to them, then... We're just as guilty as they are. Now, I don't know about you with, with those religions that come knocking on the door. I don't let them in my house. I step out on the porch and I know enough of the scripture that I can force them to walk away. Because I'm not going to change their mind. I can share scripture with them, but they'll get mad and they'll leave. But I'm not welcoming them in my house. Because I'm not going to be one who's going to stand before the Lord and hear him say, well, you shared in their evil deed. It's not going to work at my house. Now, what you do at yours is your, is your prerogative. 
Because I can't stand before the Lord for you. You can't stand for me. We can't, we can't allow false teachers to come in. <laughs> we were, many of you missed Bible study Wednesday night. And we were shared that there are, there, there is a preacher out there who, and no names were given. Uh, but there's preachers out there that are, that are sharing false teachings. You know, I want to make sure you don't hear that. I want to make sure they don't come to this pulpit. You know, and what, what I was reminded of was I won't invite them. Not if I listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Because my spirit won't bear witness with them. Listen, folks, we, we have a duty to remember the original commandment. We love people. We don't abide by their actions. We don't, we don't endorse. We don't, we don't accept the sin. But it doesn't mean we don't love them. Uh, I think it's more love. It's greater love to tell someone that they're wrong when they're wrong. If we do it in love. If we do it in love. I'm, I'm talking about being mean spirit. I think that's the problem we've had throughout the age of the church. Is that we felt we had to be mean spirit about telling the truth. And because we didn't want to be mean spirit. We started compromising. And started saying, well, you know, it's okay. God will deal with it. Well, God's put us here to be a light. He's put us here to be a testimony of his goodness and of his grace. And we are to be graceful and merciful. We're to love them. While at the same time, loving them enough to tell them if, if they want to live any way contrary to the word of God, then hell would be their home. You don't want that on your hands, and I don't want it on mine. But we must, we must love people. Loving people is being honest with them. Loving people is letting them know, letting them know that this is truth. This is true. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. He was emphatic about it. And we should be also. You know, I'm glad that this is a church who wants to stand on the truth. You know what I learned about this church when I first come? Was that you cared most about the word of God. And I believe you still do. I believe you still do. And I'm so glad that I've been able to be here all these years. I'm so, and when people ask me, how have you been there that year? They just keep putting up with me. <laughs> they just keep putting up with me. I believe you put up with me because you love me. <laughs> you're wondering where is he going with this I know you are yes Paul um, John here he, John, he points her to the original commandment and the original commandment is that we love one another but we must also remember to obey the original commandment if you look there in verse 6 he didn't just tell her this he didn't just tell her we love one another but he says, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Here, what John is saying, that love is a behavior. It's a way of life. 
It's a walk. It's obeying God's commandments. The, here, the first sentence in verse 6 tells us that this is love. And we walk according to his commandments. It tells us that love is obedience. The only way that we can show that we love God is by doing something that actually pleases him. And too often the word love is just thrown around with no real meaning or, or no real significance. But love is an action word. And if we love somebody, there has to be a demonstration of that love or it's just words. Isn't that right, ladies? Your husbands tell you that they love you. After so long, you want them to show you they love you, right? Or it's just words and it goes in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Yes. If we love him then we will keep his commandments in john's gospel 14 and 15 jesus is recorded saying if you love me keep my commandments he's saying if you love me show me that you love me put some action with it so what is the commandment this is the commandment the great commandment the commandment is what you've heard from the beginning that you should walk in love the real question is how does a believer walk in love well let's keep in mind uh We don't just walk in love, but we walk in his love. And we've got to understand his love in order to be able to walk in his love. And the great picture of that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In verses 4 through 7, we see the picture of his love. And that should be the love that we're striving for. Will we ever get it perfectly right? No, we won't get it perfectly right here on earth. But we should be striving for this love. I haven't gotten it right. Iola attested that. If you ask her, she'll tell you, man, he messes up regularly. We all do. We've heard that from the beginning of this service. But it shouldn't stop us from trying. It shouldn't stop us from making the attempt. It shouldn't stop us from our hearts being broken when we fail. Because in in 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us that his love suffers long. In other words, it's patient with people. It doesn't say anything about their circumstances. You know, while we're, we're not patient with people's circumstances. The Bible doesn't say that. And because we're not patient with their circumstances, we become impatient with people. But we should be patient with the person, regardless of what their circumstance is. No matter the evil or the injury that we've been done by the person, no matter the neglect or how we've been ignored, we are to be patient with that person. His love is not only long-suffering, but it's kind. It reaches out. It reaches out to help. It reaches out to give. His love does not envy. What it means by that is that it's not jealous. It doesn't harbor ill feelings against someone because of their position in life or because of their possessions or popularity. Love wants to share and it wants to celebrate other people's accomplishments. Love does not parade itself. In other words, it's not boastful. We should be able to have conversations with people without the word I being in the conversation. Without me having to tell them what I've done and what I've accomplished and who I am. I should be able to talk with people and just focus on on life and how God has blessed us in this world. Love wants to share and celebrate. It doesn't parade itself. It's not boastful. It doesn't brag. It doesn't seek recognition. Love's not puffed up. In other words, it's not prideful. It's not arrogant. It's not conceited. 
Love does not behave rudely. It's controlled. And it treats all with respect. His love does not seek his own. In other words, it's not selfish. It's not insistent upon having what it wants. Another way of saying that is it doesn't have a chip on its shoulder. Having to prove themselves. And I don't know about you, but I see that among our people. Listen, I've got to say this. Our people, I love our people. I love the Lumbee Nation. I love who we are and who God has made us. But we need to get the chip off our shoulders and quit blaming different people who look different than us for where we are in life. We're where we are because of the choices that we've made in this life. If one Native American can succeed... All can make choices to succeed. Man, we don't need to put people as barriers before us. We're to love them. And if we look at them as a barrier, then there's no love there. And here, if we're going to walk in his love, then we're not going to seek our own We're not going to walk around with a chip on our shoulder. I didn't get that because of who the coach is. I didn't get that because of who the tribal chairman is. I didn't get that because maybe God just didn't want us to have it. No matter how talented we are. Because the talent may drive us to be boastful. May the last name that we have just drive us to be prideful. Uh, love his love's not easily provoked in other words it's not overly sensitive (laughs) can you imagine if Jesus would have been overly sensitive oh my (laughs) it's not easily angered or quick tempered is what it means by that it's not it thinks no evil in other words it's not resentful it does not rejoice in iniquity. In other, it doesn't take pleasure in other people's sins. You know what's human nature is for us to feed off a tragedy. That's why we stay glued to the news. I, don't, I try not to watch the news. My problem is I read too much of it. And that's why we want to, and we want to know, we want, we're, we're obsessed with the news so we can pass along information. <laughs> so we can pass along to others. You know, do you hear about so-and-so? Do you, do you know what they did? Oh, do you know that they, their marriage is broken up because of this or because of that? And if we have the love of Christ, we would pray when we know the marriage is in trouble. Yeah. Love rejoices in the truth. It rejoices in that truth is known and that it prevails. It rejoices when others recognize, are recognized and are promoted. For for who they are and for what they've contributed. Love rejoices when truth is rooted and grounded in a person. It rejoices when it's grounded in Jesus Christ. Bible says that love bears all things. The word bears means that it takes no pleasure in exposing wrong and weaknesses of others. In other words, it's willing to it's willing to keep it concealed. It's willing to hold it and 
to where we can bear it ourselves. Love believes all things. It's completely trusting. Always eager to see the best in others. Love hopes all things. It never ceases from hope. It actually expects good to eventually triumph over evil. And then he says, love endures all things. You know, that word endures is a military word. And it means to stand against the attack of the enemy. No matter what love, what attacks love, love endures the attack. And love continues to love. There's been times that pastors have been the worst at demonstrating that. We've seen it all around us. You know, it's churches are popped up everywhere, aren't they? Everywhere we turn around, there's churches. It's not just in Robinson County, folks. It doesn't matter what city and what state you go to. They're everywhere. And if we had his love, we wouldn't have so much division. Yeah. Well, the point is well made that the, the point is the elect lady and her dear friend He is saying that they are to walk in love no matter how they're treated. She was to love even as God's son had loved when he was upon earth. You know, we we are to love this same way. Far too often, the act of love is mistaken for weakness. When in fact, it's an act of strength. There was nothing weak about Jesus when he was being betrayed. There was nothing weak about Jesus when he remained silent as they falsely accused him and illegally tried him. There was nothing weak about Jesus when he was beaten, when they spat upon him, and when they nailed him to an old rugged cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There was nothing weak in that moment. It was all strength. There was nothing weak about Jesus dying on the cross between two thieves. And instead of calling 12 legions of angels to come and take him down, there was nothing weak about Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No, this wasn't weakness. This was a display of love. And this is the love that John is speaking about. He offered up himself for you and me, and we are to walk in his love. So when our feelings are hurt, when we are mistreated, when we feel persecuted, when we feel like we've been taken advantage of, when we feel like we've been neglected or passed over, we are not to do the works of the flesh. For if we do, Galatians 5 and 21 says, just as I have told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Instead, we're to walk in the spirit. So let's put our love into action by displaying joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But we will only be empowered to do so. We'll only be empowered to love one another by walking in his commandments. And we can only be empowered to walk in his commandments when the Holy Spirit of God is alive within us. 
And he can only be alive within us when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. For without his love, we would have no hope. Man, if we understand that for ourselves, those who are lost, we were once there. And without the love of Christ, they have no hope. And we are to be the love of Christ in this lost and dying world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today, maybe today there's someone. There's someone who's tired of walking in this world without the love of Christ being alive within them. Maybe you're tired of being down. Maybe you're tired of, of just not loving others. Maybe you're tired of just all the feelings that come with despising people. All the feelings that come with jealousy. All the feelings that come with, with despair. All the feelings that come with with just being lost having no hope having no assurance oh if you are in that place today there's a love (laughs) that's greater than any you can experience from the world a love that mama can't give a love that daddy can't provide a love that a child can't can't give you and a love that you can't give it it's a love that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ but you have to surrender yourself you have to give up yourself and receive him in other words he has to be Lord of your life You must believe that he is God's only begotten son. That he come to this sin-cursed world. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And he died in your place and in my place. Giving his life a ransom for you. Oh, are you tired? Are you ready to... Are you ready to just give it up? ready to give up toting the resentment the pain the uncomfort that holding grudges provide oh today would be a good day to let it go I'm not offering you anything new I'm offering the gospel of Jesus Christ he loved us so much that he gave his only that he gave his life for us. Now he just asks in return that you give your life to him.